Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach, and I'm chilling here with Randy. What's up, Randy? I'm doing well, thanks. We are talking about miracles. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that we've done miracles, have we? I don't think we did. We we may have mentioned them when we were talking about C.S. Lewis, because he wrote a book called Miracles. You know, a good title for I you. can actually see that little collection of books from where I'm sitting here, and I was thinking, like, while we... It, yeah, that's one of them. And I was sitting here thinking, does that apply? Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He, yeah? I haven't read that one. He really, he gets into it, yeah. Okay. Well, now i got to read it. Why do you do this to me? That's uh, horrible. My reading list grows. It's... Therefore, my ability to ever catch up shrinks. <laughs> and then I just live in this, like, shameful existence. It's... But think of everything you're learning, Zach. I, it doesn't feel like a lot. <laughs> I mean, I, like... I stop and look back every once in a while and go, oh, yeah, it is working. But, like, <laughs> but in the middle of it, you're going, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, you idiot. What are you doing? Um, miracles. We, uh, this one, I, okay, so I, shocker, listened to a Michael Heiser podcast a couple weeks ago, and uh, he just kind of summarized some things. Well, not even him, his guest summarized some things that I have always felt, or at least for a, a lot of years now, but that we've really like minimized miracles in our culture. Um, or at least in like, I would probably call us like more evangelical, maybe. Yeah. 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 I mean, at least like our oh, yeah. sort of tradition. Um, sure. Like less charismatic, we'll say yeah. that. Yeah. And like, I feel like the more evangelical traditions. Or, like, even, like, the Methodist Church or Wesleyan Church or whatever. Like, I feel like miracles just kind of, like, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, like, they happened. And, you know, I guess they could today. And I'm kind of over here going, like, man, like, seemed like they were a whole lot more, like, ready for them to happen yeah, back yeah, then, yeah. you know. And and I think there are still people that live that way today. But I don't feel like there are. definitely are. Oh, but, yeah. but not in this country. Ooh, I don't know. I think there are expressions. Oh okay. man, we're gonna we're gonna open up a can of worms with that. Um, I think there are people that expect miracles to happen constantly today. Um, I also think there's a whole lot of charlatans out there. Yeah. Um, I I kind of think there are maybe two or three kinds of people. There's the people that just don't expect a miracle. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm sick, so I'm going to go to the doctor. If the doctor can't help me, well, gee, sucks to be me. <laughs> then there are those who they say, "Oh yeah, miracles." I see miracles all the time. We were just I see miracles about that. every day, <laughs> and I see miracles every way. The insane clown posse. Insane Don't listen to it, folks. It's a, it's a song, and it's a it's a. It's a vulgar song. We'll, we'll come back around to it, I'm <laughs> sure. Um, and then there are people, I think, that have kind of a realistic view of God's ability to perform miracles today. But the question is, I mean, we were talking about this yesterday. And I mentioned uh, uh, something that happened to me when I was... Still in Columbia and leading a church, a lady came to us, asked us to pray for her. She had cancer, and uh, the Lord healed her. She came back, and she actually got the doctor to write a letter. And the letter said something like, on 
December the 4th or whatever date it was, uh, I diagnosed you with an anemic cancer and it was stage two and it was here and I have the x-rays and then you returned to me on January the 4th and it was all gone. There was no trace of anything to be found. Um, she came back, she had the letter, she read the letter in the church. Everybody stood up and everybody clapped and we were very grateful, we were very thankful. And I guess what got to me was I was surprised. <laughs> I was the one that prayed for her healing. <laughs> right. But I was surprised when God healed her. Well, it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's like this little thing in the back of my mind, like when I pray for something to God, like I think I was telling you about this yesterday, like, you know, I'll say like, oh God, I, I, I pray that you'll do this or come, come through for me in this way. And, uh, you know, then I pray the like, you know, well, but, but your will be done right. side of it. And it's almost like I'm praying that expecting it to fall on that side of things. Are we throwing a caveat out there so that, okay, so if this doesn't happen, I can just go back and say, well, it wasn't God's will. Yeah, and it's like it, it, it's like we are to pray that your will be done, but with full expectation that he will do what he would what, what I expect him to do. You know, not like a you know, right. genie from a bottle kind of thing, but like you should be praying for something that would already be within the will of God or you would assume would be. You know? There's a great story in the book of Acts. Uh, Acts chapter 6, Peter and John have been imprisoned and uh, they've actually been condemned and they're going to die. Next morning, sun comes up. Uh, the local officials are going to haul them out of prison, take them down to a public forum, take a sword and chop his head off. Uh, he is going to die. And uh, church gets together and they start praying. Oh, Lord, free prison, Peter from, from prison. And the angel comes, appears to Peter, opens up doors, opens up holes in the wall. Peter walks through the holes thinking he's in a vision. And all of a sudden he's out in the streets. And he's standing there, looks around, and he says, well, this must not be a vision. So he goes actually to the upper room where everybody was meeting, praying for Peter's deliverance. He knocks on the door and a servant girl who is actually named Rhoda comes to the door, looks through the people in the door, sees it's Peter, and doesn't think to open the door. She just runs into the meeting and says, Peter is standing at the door. And the people say, can't be him. He's in prison. He's going to die tomorrow. Oh, Lord, please deliver Peter from prison. <laughs> now, it's embellished a little bit, but Scripture's pretty clear. Uh, they were praying for it, but they didn't have the expectation that God was going to answer. So, you know, it... it started 2,000 years ago, and here we are even today still doing it. Yeah, we're not a, I don't know, it, like the one I was telling you about yesterday that gets me tripped up is like when Peter walks up to the man, I, I hope I'm quoting this right, but he walks up to the man, or the man wa approaches, I think it's Peter and James, 
says, um, you know, do you have any money? Yeah. That yeah. you can spare. Yeah. And Peter says, I don't have any silver or gold, but let me give you what I can. And he like grabs him by the hands and lifts him up. And the, the man was lame, right? Like he was, right. he was paralyzed. He was paralyzed. And, and Peter helps him to walk. And he, there's a miracle right there on the spot. And it's like, I'm thinking about that. And I'm like, I can't imagine <laughs> like, uh, that kind of faith. I'd be so scared, man, to like just walk up to like just see some man sitting there in a wheelchair and walk up and be like, do you want to walk? You know what I mean? Like, can you yeah. imagine? Like, <sighs> Part of the problem is there are, uh, you mentioned it before, there are charlatans out there. Um, town I grew up in, Buckland, Ohio. There was a girl, she's a good friend of my sister, and uh, she she had polio when she was young, and she walked with leg braces. Uh, an evangelist came to town, he spoke in the church, and uh, he had a healing service, and saw her there, so he went down, and he said, do you have faith? She said, yeah. He said, take off your braces. She took off her braces, he said, stand up and walk. She stood up, and she walked. But she did incredible damage to her legs. And uh, within about a week, she was back. Uh, I, I think for a while, she was actually off of her legs while they recovered from her trying to walk without the braces. So, you know, those kind of things happen. And and maybe, I don't know, maybe we're just so cynical that we we tend to think, well, that's that's all this is. There are charlatans out there who... Uh, put on a show. But the fact of the matter is, I do believe that God still does miracles. Yeah, I do too. I think, I, and, and before we like move on, I think the part that's hardest for me, like it's, it's not just that I know that there are charlatans because I know that there are charlatans. The sure. Bible's incredibly clear that there are false teachers and prophets and whatever. But I don't know that I've seen a miracle. And that makes it a whole lot harder. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. But part of me, that's why I think God would want to be like, here you go, buddy. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's you got it. You, you know, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Um, I think it's important we describe what we mean. Yeah. Start out by defining what is a miracle. Because I think part of the evangelical uh, um, culture. We want to say there are miracles, but we don't believe that the unexpected will happen. So we redefine a miracle to have really broad meaning. Yeah. A miracle of life. Or um, There's the, I think it was the 82 Winter Olympics when uh, the uh, U.S. team beat Russia for the gold medal, and the announcer shouted, do you believe in miracles? Well, yeah, I do, and this was not one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was, uh, it was a, it's a cool occasion. Oh, gosh, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's a great thing that happened. Um, yeah. But it doesn't exactly fit our definition. But these right? were talented kids, too. Exactly. <laughs> and even the coach, if I remember right, they did a movie on it. And it's, it's a great movie, Kurt Russell. Yep. 
He says nine times out of ten, Russia's going to beat us, but not tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody goes out and they just play their hearts out and they end up winning. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, I believe in hard work, too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Um, So the definition we've got for miracle is coming out of uh, the Oxford. uh, Wait, 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 wait. I don't know which dictionary this is coming from. I thought it said Oxford, but maybe not. Um, the The definition is uh, surprising and welcome event that is not expli- uh, explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. So they give the example of the miracle of rising from the grave with yeah, you know, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's something that defies natural physical law yeah yeah i've always thought of a miracle as as a time when god steps in and he suspends what should occur he suspends natural law and shows his sovereignty shows he's in charge so so what are some examples we could talk about from biblically like uh the first one that comes to mind you know we've got you know healing the lame healing the sick raising the dead Right, right right um Well, you've got Israel leaving Egypt and the sea splitting. Water doesn't do that. Is it Joshua that tells the sun to stop? Yes, it is. Yes, it it is. And it's like the sun stays in the sky. still until he finishes his battle. Yeah, yeah. I think Josephus actually records something about that at some point. Probably so. I need to go look into that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, you got that. So uh, the burning bush. Um, yeah. it, that it's on fire, but it's not consumed by the fire, you know, um, had donkeys, uh, talking. Yeah. The donkey <laughs> talking to Baal or Balaam. Yep. Uh, yeah. Oh, now that you mentioned Baal, uh, the prophets of Baal, when is it, um, Elijah, Elijah, Elijah confronts 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophetesses of Asherah. Yeah. And God rains down fire from heaven and consumes a sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah, and they're, like, doing everything in their power and nothing's happening on their side of things. <laughs> yeah. Cutting themselves and dancing. and Great He's story. just taunting them the whole time. That yep. one's so yep. funny to I me. I love like, it. I love it. Yeah. He's just so snarky in the whole thing. It's, it's, so, it's yeah. gorgeous. Well, it's just not what you expect from this, like, prophet of God, which you think of as this, like, prim and proper individual. Right, yeah, yeah. And he's just like, not oh, at is, all. is your God using the bathroom? Because <laughs> yeah. he's he's not here. Shout a little louder. Maybe he's taking a nap. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you've got all these things that just don't happen. Right, right. You've got droughts, and then you have miraculous rains. Water you into wine. Water into wine. You have uh, fish. Oh, yeah, the multiplication of the fish. Well, you have the multiplication of the fish, but then twice Jesus goes fishing with his disciples, and they bring in just this incredible number of fish. Yeah. I mean, that one's li- that one's maybe a little harder to throw into our definition, because I suppose that could happen. But they certainly weren't expecting right, it. <laughs> right. Like it was more the timing, yeah. I think. Yeah. That they'd been at it all night and then when he says, Oh, just you know, do it again. Right, right. And now you're bringing in this huge load of fish. And know? then he does it again at the end of his ministry. Exactly. And, and so And he's like a hundred yards away and says, Well, 
throw the net down on the right side of the boat. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's more. It's more the the miracle there is less that they catch the fish, and it's more the fact that Jesus is showing that He has control over nature. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Or calming the storm. Yeah. Same kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Walking on water. And see, I think those are legitimate miracles. I do too. I do too. But I'm saying it's it's not well. The, the other ones, most certain. Well. You know, you could argue, oh, well, storms just stop. But that's why I'm saying it's right. that Jesus is controlling the thing. That's the miracle. I remember reading one article that said that the majority of miracles are a matter of timing. Uh, God either compresses time or he expands time. And I don't know. It, it didn't convince me very much. But uh, Yeah, I feel like they're just trying to simplify things with that. And you get that quite a bit. You get... I remember reading one commentator on Mark chapter 6 when Jesus feeds the 5,000 that said that when Jesus goes through the huge show of taking a little boy's lunch and breaking it into little pieces and putting it in baskets and handing it to the disciples and say, feed the multitude. As he's going around, everybody kind of whipped out their lunch, which was more enough, more than enough for them and for their neighbor. But nobody wanted to bring it out. They just whipped out their lunch. And when he took up the leftovers at the end, there were 12 baskets. It's so an- it's annoying to that me. That is so not what's taking it's place. It's clearly not what it's even trying to convey is taking right. place. Like right. The story is clearly not trying to be like, oh, this is a l- rational thing we can explain. Right. Like Either it's what it said or it's an absolute lie. Yeah. Pick one. You can't rationalize this. That's right. Like, I, I don't know, man. I, <laughs> anyways. Um, but yeah, like beyond just seeing miracles biblically, though, I think that there is theological... There are theological references that can help us understand miracles. There are. There are. You have any off the top of your head? Because I can dive in if you need me to. Okay, dive in. I'll just chime in. Sorry, I have my face ID on. I have to, like, (laughs) lean into it. It can't see me from this far. Um, So It's a a miracle, Zach. It it recognized your face. Yes. so yeah, you've got Mark ten twenty seven, uh, which is kind of mirrored in Luke eighteen twenty seven. Uh, Jesus looked at them and said, uh, "With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God." And that's talking about the camel going through the eye of the needle, right? Um, and so Jesus is kind of laying this foundation of like, it's not about man. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of just about trust that God can do what God says he can do. Um, Another one, um, Jeremiah 32, 27, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Um, You've got Jesus uh, in Mark 9, 23. uh, He says, uh, if you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. Um, Luke eight fifty. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, "Don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed." Um, Luke one thirty seven. For no word from God will ever fail. You you just see this constant. It's faith. It's faith. It's faith. It's faith. So Zach, there are those out there who would say that miracles were for Bible times, 
and that after Bible times, uh, that's not the way God operates. What are Bible times, first of all? <laughs> it's still Bible time, kids. <laughs> like it's, we, don't, we don't have any stories written about us in Fair the enough. Bible, but like it didn't stop. It wasn't like God's like, and done. Right. Now right, go right. on with everything else, guys. Right. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. I, I know there's a lot of – I think John MacArthur is of that school of thought. Wouldn't surprise me. I think. I – Sorry if I'm wrong, John MacArthur, if you ever hear this, and if you have, we've made it. But um, I, I don't uh, – I do think that I heard him say something like that once. Um, I don't. Well, there are that's... certainly those who say that the gifts of the Spirit are not for us. That was for the apostles. That's probably a more common thing to say. I, do you believe that, though? No. Yeah, like I just don't. It's kind of like this to me. Um, if we're to look at that, if we're to look at every time Jesus in his teachings says, you know, you, you'll do greater things than this, right? Like yeah. Jesus performs miracles yeah. and says, no, no, you thought that was good? You guys are going to do greater things than that, right? Okay. If we take something like that and go, oh, well, he wasn't really saying that to us. Where do we draw the line? Right. Yeah. Was it just all to the apostles and then none of this is to – oh, sorry, guys. We're so not really going to heaven. God so loved the yeah. world. That's only us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, sorry, just the apostles went to heaven. Everybody else <laughs> right. is going to burn in hell. That's right. Like where do we draw the line? We don't – like we have to be incredibly careful. So there's definitely no no place in Scripture that says that miracles end at a certain age. No, but there are people like – you know, like yeah. we said, that, that kind of say – you know, yeah, stopped it in biblical times – and it's like, uh, no. I mean, they're ha- they're still happening all around the world, and uh, so this guy that was just on uh, Heiser's podcast, I'll look it up by the time we're done here. But he wrote a book. He's actually written a few books. Um, this this newest one that just came out is a condensed version of what he had previously written. The original was like four volumes, and it was like 4,000 pages. Oh, my goodness. And it was just about acts, I think, if I recall. And A commentary on acts? No. He's like going through, and he is like deep diving the theology of miracles. Oh, wow. So just about miracles just and Just miracles acts. and acts. 4,000 pages. 4,000 pages. Huh. And it's not just that. He then goes through, and he heavily vetted. Every instance of somebody saying that there was a miracle today and through okay. history, all recorded miracles. And he goes through and he vets them. Like he's not just like going through and saying like, oh, these are all legit. But he has thousands upon thousands of examples of going through these these miracles. And there's so many of them that are in like medical journals, kind of like you were talking yeah, about earlier, yeah, yeah. where it's like the doctors are saying like, yeah, this thing that just happened is impossible. Right. And yet it but has it happened. happened. He, here it is. They're, you know, they, I don't know. Their eyesight was gone and now they can see. And there is no rational <laughs> reason to explain why they can see now. Stuff like that. And it's just hundreds of examples of things like that. There are people being raised from the dead in the book. There's a, one of the things is he's talking about a guy wakes up in the morgue, like, oh. and and like it's it's journaled, it's documented, it's real, and like you can argue why those things 
scientific. Oh, well, we messed up. We we just we got it wrong. He wasn't really dead or whatever. But it's like when you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of examples of these things, not all of them are going to be true. But should that not point you to the fact that something is happening here? Like, and most of it doesn't happen in America. Most of it doesn't happen in Western culture. Most of the stuff is happening in like China or like in these third world countries, these places where it's all they've got is yeah. to trust in God. And I, I do know. I mean, I lived in a, in a, in a, uh, uh, I lived in the third world. I was, I was trying to remember even the term for it for uh, an extended period of time. And their attitude is very different. They get sick and and they'll start with prayer. They will start by going to God and saying, Lord, heal me from this. Even before they go to the doctor. And many times they don't have to go to the doctor because God does it. We get sick and we start by going to the doctor. And typically uh, we'll just follow what the doctor says. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that that is wrong. Uh, That's great. But somehow we have to match our faith with other resources that are available to us. Yeah. Like, for instance, Luke would have witnessed miracles, Mm -hmm. right? Because he was with the apostles. He would have witnessed miracles. Well, he wrote some of them. And he was a medical doctor. Yeah. So he was... Believing fully in the miracles of God and in science and in physically helping people with what we've learned scientifically. Are you ready for a shocker? Okay. Being a medical doctor in Paul's time was not a good thing. Really? Really. Okay. Being a medical doctor. And you get this a couple of times, I think, in the New Testament. Um the lady spent all her money on doctors, and she still had the uh, the flujo de sangre, the issue of blood. Remember that? When, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, she had yeah. bleeding, yeah. Uh, several times when you get references to doctors, it's how people had spent so much money on doctors and they were still sick. And that was typically the way people viewed doctors. They're charlatans. They're just out there. Uh, they'll take your money and you won't get any better. The ones that'll really help you are the shamans and kind of, we, we might call them witch doctors today. So they believed more in yeah spiritual healing. Yeah. Whether it be from demons or whatever. Right. Than they did right. in scientific. Right. Wow. But the thing that Jesus did that turned all of this on their head, he never asked anybody to pay him for any of it. No. Everybody else did. The doctors did. The 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 shamans, the witch doctors did. Jesus said, you're sick? You want to be healthy? <laughs> sure. All right. Zap. <laughs> Go do it. Yeah. Go live your life, man. Um, so, yeah, he was kind of, even the miracles were counter cultural. They were. That, were. that there were other so so there would have been other people trying to spiritually heal you. Oh yeah, 
but his were actually working, and he wasn't acting, asking for anything in return. That's right. That's okay, right. That's interesting. And the way he did it was so countercultural, too. So a leper comes up. What does he do? He sticks his hand in the middle of the leprosy. Yeah. He touches the leper, and doctors wouldn't do that. Shamans wouldn't do that. They would say whatever prayers they were going to say at a distance. Jesus walks up and hugs the man. The boy is being carried through on a, a, he's kind of in his casket, being carried through. Jesus reaches up and he touches the boy. That makes him ceremonial, ceremonially unclean. Because you're not to handle the dead. You are not to touch the dead. I forgot about that. Jesus touches him. I don't know. I, I fully expect Jesus to reach down, grab the boy, and kind of wrap his arms around him mm-hmm. and hug him and and the boy kind of looks around and says who are you <laughs> right um even the way he did the miracles was so unexpected so countercultural you can see the disciples in the background or at least i see the disciples in in my mind's eye in the background saying no don't do that are you nuts <laughs> right and all of a sudden yeah Instead of Jesus becoming leprous, Jesus' health is more contagious than the man's leprosy. Yeah. And the leprosy just falls to the ground. Did, okay, sorry, random thought. So we're talking about miracles Jesus performed. Right. Well, among other things, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, just at this moment. Right. So what, what miracles did the apostles perform? Outside of the book of Acts, you don't have a record of the apostles really doing anything. You have a record that says, and they went and they healed the sick and they cast out the demons and they did miracles, but we don't have any of the stories. Well, it's so funny because that's Not almost the like... the book of Acts. Well, it's almost like that's the less important part. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they did all this other stuff too, but anyways, here's what happened like with the church. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Um, real quick. Uh, I did find that uh, source on that book. Um, the guy's name is Dr. Uh, Craig Keener, K-E-E-N-E-R, and the book is called Miracles Today, The Supernatural Work of God in the Modern World, and it's by Baker Academics. Um, that's the shortened version. I think it's like <laughs> a few hundred pages, whereas the original one's like 4,000. 4, um, but that one is condensed, and apparently it's it's a whole lot more of like more readily accessible to just the everyday person, whereas the other one's more the scholarly one. But I want to check it out. I would recommend you do the same. But, um, yeah, the the apostles, like I said, I I remember um, Peter healing the man's, uh, the the crippled man. What else happens in Acts? Well, uh, Peter raises a lady by the name of Tabitha, from the dead. Um, that's in Acts chapter 6. They Acts. bring the Holy Spirit with them, like everywhere they go. I, I know that. Yeah, that yeah, happens. Yeah, like yeah, You see the, yeah. the, the uh, Holy the Spirit. The whole speaking in tongues is a discernible miracle because yes. it's not people speaking nonsense. They divinely acquire the ability for a period of time to speak another human language. And apparently, 
what they're doing is they are evangelizing people that would not have heard the gospel in their mother tongue. Well, the thing that's odd to me about that is it, it, it honestly seemed like it was less about what they were saying and more about the way others were hearing them. That like, Yeah, you can get that out of it. You know what I mean? Because yep. like all the people were hearing in their own language, mm-hmm. whereas the apostles were just speaking like right. they normally would, but they were being perceived in every language. And so it almost seems reverse of how we talk about it today. And so that, that's been interesting. To me. In uh, Acts chapter 5, you get Ananias and Sapphira who lie to the church, and Peter divinely knows that they're lying. And then, boom, dead. Yeah. <laughs> I love what it says. The uh, great fear gripped the entire church. <laughs> yeah. I would hope so. <laughs> um, Reason not to lie. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You get... Um, well, at the end of the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, the spirit snatches Philip up and drops him. It ends up being about 10 kilometers away, about five and a half miles away in a village. Yeah. Um, chapter nine, I don't know if you consider the vision a, uh, uh, Saul's vision of Jesus and Mary. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. That happens. Uh, He's blinded and then regains his vision. He regains his sight. Uh, Chapter 9, Peter heals a man named Aeneas, and that's where he heals, he he raises Tabitha from the dead as well. Mm, Oh, boy. You get... Yeah, chapter 12 is what we talked about earlier where Peter's in jail. He's going to be killed the next day. Uh, A couple of things about that story. Uh, Peter's released. He goes where he knows the believers are going to be, and he goes actually to the upper room. Uh The upper room had become like a hub for the believers after the crucifixion and resurrection. And at the end of that, it says uh, Peter left and he went somewhere else. Now, functionally what happened, Peter leaves Jerusalem. Yeah. He has been freed from the prison, but he's not going to test the Lord anymore. He's not going to say, okay, I'm going to stay here and make you deliver me every time they capture me. Right. Instead, he says, you know what? There's a world out there that needs Jesus. I'm going to go talk to them now. And Paul actually later on, in Paul's epistles, says, the church sent me to speak to the Gentiles who live in the world, and they sent Peter to speak to the Jews who live in the world. So Peter was commissioned as a missionary to go and speak to Jewish communities that were like in Babylon and Egypt and other places throughout the Roman Empire. Yeah. And it goes on. Uh, Paul has a lot of miracles and acts, and including exorcisms. He casts demons out of a out of a slave girl who prophesies the future. He raises uh, people from the dead. Um, Eutychus falls from a window and dies, and 
Paul goes down and raises him from the dead, heals the sick. In fact, uh, someplace in here, I think chapter 14 or so, it says that Paul would pray over handkerchiefs. And they would take those handkerchiefs and put them on sick people and they'd get healthy. They'd, they'd be healed. So you get a number of miracles in the book of Acts. 4,000 pages worth, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at least, right? Um, okay, very cool. Um, so I think that begs the question... We, we've kind of said what, what miracles are. Right. We've talked about, you know, the theology of, of miracles, that it's, it's it's a faith issue, that it's not about man, it's about God. Yeah. We've talked about what what they can look like, what what they look like in the book of Acts or, or with Jesus. Suspension of natural law. Yeah. So Old Testament stuff Unexpected too. and, and uh, welcomed. Right, right. They're welcomed. And then I think that gets us to, like, the question of, well, then, how do we view them now? Well, I think there's still a couple of things in Scripture. And I come at those things from looking at myself. Um, I look at myself when I pray for a miracle, and I do. I legitimately pray for a miracle. And it seems like every time I do, I open up the possibility that God will say no. Um, I mean, just between you and me, if you promise not to tell anybody else, it's probably because of my lack of faith. <laughs> you have a lack of faith? I'm just not sure God's going to do it. You actually see that in Scripture, too. Jesus comes down off the Mount of Transfiguration. His disciples have been trying to cast the demon out of a boy. Uh, the boy's father is asking him to do it. And what the demon does when he takes control of the boy is he tries to get the kid to commit suicide. He jumps in water, tries to drown himself. Or he jumps in fire, tries to burn himself. So here's this father beside himself saying, please help me. I don't know what to do with my son. I can't go to work. I've got to be with him 24-7. I can't go to sleep. Because if the demon takes him, he might grab a knife and slit his own throat. Jesus says, do you believe? And the man answers, and I love the answer, oh Lord. I believe. Help my unbelief. The guy recognizes, yeah, I have a level of faith. If I didn't have at least a level of faith, I wouldn't be here talking to you. I have a level of faith. Do I think you're going to do it in this moment? Tell you what, Lord, no, I don't. I believe. I've got a level of faith. Help me, Lord. Help my unbelief. And, of course, Jesus heals the boy. And is it is it there that he that he talks about uh, faith that'll move mountains or um, the mustard seed? Yeah, I guess that's somewhere else. He just heals him, 
And um, I guess the disciples come up and said, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus' reply, this kind can be cast out only by prayer, I think is saying, fellas, it's not a matter of your technique. It's a matter of your connection to God. Yeah, prayer and fasting. Uh, fasting is actually added about the 6th century. Really? Yeah. <sighs> Translations, why you got to do this to me? <laughs> Uh, New Living Translation says this kind of can be cast out only by prayer. And that's, yeah. Hmm. Six centuries later, it still wasn't good enough. They still had to make, okay, you're not fasting enough. We we must not be praying enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dang. But all through history, I think people have struggled with this. Hmm. Do I have faith? If I don't have the faith, will God still do it? He did here. Yeah, because it's really easy to turn this into word of faith stuff. Right, right, And I don't agree with that. And that's the other thing. You know, I cannot control what God does. Yeah, he's not my genie. Right. I'm not obliging him. Hey, dude, I got enough faith now. You've got to do this that I want. You owe me now. Right, right. So, So it turns into Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, that's the other place I wanted to go. Yeah, two-fisted faith. Yeah. That's how they said it in our rooted walkthrough. So the context, Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar has just made a gold statue of himself. And he's so taken with himself that he says, okay, everybody knows that I'm going to be a god when I die. Here's a statue, just start worshiping me now. And uh, who is it? Uh, Shad, Shaq, and Abed. <laughs> well, that's pretty good. That's the VeggieTales version, I think. Is that what they call them? I like that. Shad, Shad Shaq, and Shaq Abed. And Abed. That's a whole lot uh, more condensed, that's for sure. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, we worship God. We won't worship you. Nebuchadnezzar says, I'll burn you alive. I will throw you in the furnace. And they say... Doesn't matter. <laughs> we are not going to worship you. And he says, Don't you know you're going to die? And this is their answer. It's, I mean, this is so full of incredible faith. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve, is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear, your majesty, that we'll never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you've set up. So so you see them say, "Our, our God's able. He's able. He will. And even if he doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't change anything. We're, we're still doing what we're doing. Now, I don't know. Maybe it's terminology. Maybe it's semantics. But just the faith in those statements sounds to me like legitimate, genuine faith. It's not somebody saying, just in case he doesn't, here's our out. Yeah. My best friend's dad 
told us this story when they were younger. And uh, they they didn't really go to church a whole lot, but he did. He, he's he's a believer. He believes. When he was a little boy, his dad was in a house fire, and uh, his dad was younger. He, he he was a little boy, and his dad was you know probably in his I don't know early thirties, something like that. And the doctors were saying that he was going to die. There was no way he was going to recover. Like, a good portion of his body was covered in, like, third-degree burns, whatever. And uh, Graham is sitting there, and he's crying in the hallway. And his aunt walks up to him, and she says, What are you doing? And he said, I'm crying because Dad's going to die. And she said, Who told you that? And she said, or he said, well, the doctors told me that. And she she said, well, those doctors don't know my Jesus. <laughs> and uh, he turned around and he made a full recovery in like just a couple of weeks. <laughs> and it was like it defied all logic of what they had expected to happen. And it's, I, I truly believe that's because one woman stood up and said, well, they don't know Jesus. You know, that's. That's a big deal, man. I mean, it is, it's it, huge. And I see that same. It's the same kind yeah, of thing. It's yeah. like the, no, 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 no. Like I, I, I know what they said. You know, <laughs> like I know what this looks like. So I was with OMS for forty years, and uh, every summer at their summer conference, OMS would have as one of the services a healing service, because OMS believes that God still heals today. And I would attend them. They were very moving services, and people people would come forward and they'd ask for prayer. And uh, Wesley Duell, the, the president of OMS at that time, and others would pray for them. Eventually, I was asked to be one of those who would pray uh, for people. And uh, I was one of those standing up in front and people coming to me and saying, please pray for me. And I was praying, you know, oh, Lord, if it's your will. Because <laughs> I didn't want them to feel bad if they weren't healed. Then one year, we had a man come from Bangladesh, Myanmar, Philip Arakari. Now, Philip was a prominent businessman in Bangladesh. In fact, he knew and introduced people to the prime minister of Bangladesh. Uh, back when it had a prime minister. Um, He was, by Bangladesh uh, uh, standards, a very rich man, one of the richest men in the country. He was also a believer and a very devout believer. And he believed that God would heal. He started a church movement in Bangladesh oversaw planting of literally hundreds of churches. Not that he did himself, but the organization that he started was doing it. But this fellow legitimately believed that God would listen and God would heal. And one summer during one of the conferences, He was one of the guys that was praying for people and to hear him pray and hear me pray. Gee, 
if I had gone forward and I had asked somebody to pray for me to be healed, and if I had gotten a Randy and Randy had prayed his prayer, I would have looked over at Philip and I would have went and stood in his line too. (laughs) He would reach up into heaven and grab a hold of God's robe and pull his face down and say, heal him, God. I mean, there was no, let this be your will, or if it's not your will, or he was saying, heal him. But if God didn't heal him, it didn't matter. (laughs) You know, even if he doesn't, it doesn't change my faith. There's a reality that sometimes God does have other plans. Um, I don't think we always have to present that, especially when we're presenting it as an out. It was his plan for Jesus. <laughs> that was Jesus's prayer. I mean, nobody's but, got better faith than Jesus. And, and he said, Lord, <laughs> I don't, if it's possible, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And God said, the only way. And Jesus said, okay. Doesn't change my faith. In this case, it doesn't change my commitment to obey you and everything that you ask me to do. And I think that's kind of where Romans 8.28 comes in. Um, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him have been called according to his purpose that even when the prayer is not answered in the way we want it to be even when God's response to our request is not what it seems like it should be we have to trust that it is what it should be that the God is doing what is best what 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 whatever's happening like I don't know. Like, let's use Jesus as the example, you know. Jesus had to die. Yeah. But the reason Jesus had to die was because for the good of Christians, for the good of all people that would believe in Jesus, that they could live through his death and resurrection. That's right. That he he didn't get spared the cross. He didn't get spared that death because God had something bigger that was going to come out of that and more good was going to come out of it than the bad of Jesus' death. Is that a fair way of looking at it? It absolutely is. Yeah. And so even when our lives are not, or our miracles aren't answered in the way we think they should be, you know, our prayers aren't answered with the miracle we want, God is working, and he's working for the good of those who love him, whether we see it or not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that's when we need to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right. And say, yeah, he's going to do this. He can, he will, and if he doesn't, that's okay because he's still God and he's still good, and I trust him. That's it. So what does that mean for us today? We get sick, how should we pray? Pray for what we need. I mean, that's what Jesus told us to do. I mean, use the Lord's Prayer as your rough draft. I mean... Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, God, you're holy, you're good. Um, here's what I need. Please give me what I need. Keep me from evil. 
Help me to love people. Help me to care about other people. Should we say if it be your will? I think so, but we have to be careful what we mean when we say that. Yeah. It's not an out. It's not a cop out. Right. Don't let that be your out. Mean it. Like, God, you'll do this. I know you'll do this. I know you'll do what you what, what's best for me. But I want to obey you first and foremost. Exactly. The, the, it, if your will be done isn't there, kind of like you said, so if it doesn't happen, then I can be like, oh, well, you know. <laughs> well, still I guess gonna... it wasn't his will. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's there because genuinely. We mean it. We mean it. We, yeah. we need to be like, no, like, here's what I'm asking of you. I know you'll do it. And the Bible says it. It says it like. The whole, that whole line about um, gathering the elders, did we read that one? I don't think we did. No, we didn't. We didn't. James. Yeah. To, James so, 5. So if you're sick, to call the elders of the church, have them come to you, have them anoint you with oil and mm-hmm. pray over you, because that prayer will bring healing, is yeah. what it says. It does. Will bring healing. Yep. Not might, yep. if it be God's will. No, it says will, and that's where we need to go first. Yeah. He'll do he will do it. He'll do what's right. But if it doesn't happen, then you need to understand that it's because something greater is happening. That yeah. God's will is being carried out in a way we can't see or understand. So should we stop going to doctors? No. Because God's given us doctors. It's a blessing. It's a wonderful thing that we have doctors. But while we're going to the doctor, we should be praying for a miracle. <laughs> like, yeah. That's, yeah. That's the way I see it. Like I think I told you the other day that uh, there was a fellow, um, David Siemens, who once a year he would preach a sermon on healing, and he would start by saying, God always heals. And then he would qualify what he means. Sometimes God heals supernaturally. And he meant it. And he had examples. Sometimes God heals through natural processes. Uh, Illnesses run their course. You get better. Sometimes God heals through doctors. Doctors, uh, God has given doctors abilities, understanding, and uh, I know of Christian doctors who pray before every surgery because they recognize that there is a power greater than them who is ultimately in control. Sometimes God heals through medicines. And sometimes God heals through death. Because when we are resurrected, we are not resurrected as an ill, sick person. We're resurrected with a new body. And all illnesses are cured. No more sadness, no more pain, no more sin, no more right. suffering. No more no more COPD, no more <laughs> paralysis, no yeah. more cancer. No more anything. God heals. And he always heals. Sometimes not in the way that we want him to. But if we're his children, he will heal us. And and that's just where it boils. I mean, really, the real, the real central concept here is the sovereignty of God. Yeah. Is recognizing he is all-powerful. And what that means is he is more than capable and more than willing to heal you. But if he decides that's not the right move, then he's still right. Yeah. And we don't need to be upset about it. Right. Because something better's happening here. And that's how Jesus saw it. So, yeah. Man, that's crazy. That's tough. But I would like to see 
the evangelical church. And I hate saying the evangelical church because it carries so much like negative weight with it, yeah. I think. Yeah. But just like the church, the Protestant church in general, whether you're charismatic or you're not, I would like to see a resurgence of miracles. And I think the reason we don't see a lot of them is because we just kind of don't believe in them anymore. Yeah. I want to see one. <laughs> it's a topic for a different podcast, but there's an entire um, school of evangelism called power evangelism, prominent back in the 70s and 80s. It's like power walking? Not exactly. Okay. It's more like what our church evangelist said in India. Uh, India, the church was really growing, and... Um, we ask our evangelists in India how it was that they shared the gospel and planted a church. And they said, oh, miracles. Say what? <laughs> they said, well, we'll go into a town. We'll tell them that Jesus saves. He saves your souls and he saves your body. And we'll ask people, are you sick? Come to us and we'll pray for you. They come to us. We pray for them. They're healed. And we plant a church. <laughs> I love that, man. Power evangelism. It, it, it's a whole lot less corny than it sounds. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. The faith of those people. That's, that's awesome. Absolutely incredible. Well, I want to see that. Yeah. I want to see that happen here. Yeah. Lord knows we need it. <laughs> well, we need to be bolder in our prayer then, don't we? We do. We do. And there's so many believers that I know, that I talk to constantly, that are afraid to pray. Yeah. Because they think they sound stupid or they don't think they know how to do it right. Right. And there is They're looking no for right... flowery words. They're, yeah, but like the Bible even says don't. Try to pray with flowery words. Don't try to pray That's with right. these big repetitive, bold, right. loud prayers. Just go say what you need to God. Right. Because if you're trying to sound a certain way, then you're doing it for show. You're doing it to, yeah. to be, a, you know. And that's when Jesus said, pray this way. And he looks to God and he says, Daddy. Yeah. That's how it starts. <laughs> with the way a little a little child would call Father. for their parent. Father. Yeah. 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 Daddy. But I mean, that's that was a huge reframing of the way the Jews would have thought of God. Oh my goodness, yeah. I mean, that would have been a crazy thing to say. They were all that, about the show. Yeah, but to, then to turn around and no, it's like a little kid talking to his dad. Like, yeah. I need you. Can yeah. you help me? Yeah. yeah, that's what we need. That's boldness. Love it. Boldly call God, Daddy. All right, Randy. Got anything else it. for me, Zach? I do not. <laughs> that's my line. That's my line. You going to steal it? All right. I am. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode. If you got questions, you can send those to us at questions at becomehope.com or salty saints at becomehope.com. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Leave a comment. Give us a five-star sure. rating. Share. Sure. Show us some love. Whatever, I don't know, whatever platform you're on, do what good you can for us. Let's spread the good news of the gospel, and until next time, stay salty. 
I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.